Well, hello and welcome to Sounds About White. So today's show, uh, we're mixing it up a little bit, and Emma Nelson is taking a much-deserved break, or uh, at least pause from recording this show. But here we have on the show today my brother from the same mother. Well, Joe really uh, invited himself on the show. (laughs) And I love it. We love when white folks kind of push past individualism and isolation and really offer themselves in a way of like, we're in this together. So welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Great to be here and grateful for you and the joy of this podcast and the uh, healing power of this podcast, not only for me, but for so many others out there I know, uh, kind of <laughs> led me here and uh, just just fired up to take up some space as a, as a straight white man. You know, you are an underrepresented group in <laughs> the world of humility, uh, addressing white supremacy for real, for real. And so we appreciate you uh, coming in and being willing to take up space in a vulnerable and accountable way and not just to like have the mic to have the mic right Mm -hmm. and you know we've we've been in conversation for a number of years uh, about some of these different topics and how they show up in ourselves and in the world in the nonprofits that we work within amongst other areas of our life Mm -hmm. and um yeah just you know this is this is really your time to shine. (laughs) Yeah. Just wondering if there's anything that you wanted to talk about today on sounds about white. Yeah. I was definitely in a fight to not think. Right. Mm. And and when I had an idea about it, I remember saying to my wife, genuine curiosity that I had as a kid trying to build relationships, I think has led me to be in a position to, really have a an interesting mindset about myself and about how where I get to exist and it really hasn't been till recently as I've tried to be like a quote-unquote ally or someone who's trying to understand who the most vulnerable are and how I can align myself with them if I don't like the word empower but kind of be with them in, in whatever way that makes sense and is helpful while also existing as myself it's been weird at 33 although the Jesus year they say is <laughs> is something so maybe this is part of it um your husband's freaking me out <laughs> but like the the idea that the work can be inward that can feel selfish but if we're really gonna be in it and if you really care it's okay you can slow down you can figure that out try not to have it fling in my face Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm not christian anymore but you know jesus kind of like you don't need to be praying in public right and these ideas are going to come and this, this saviorism is going to come back and these things are going to happen. And, and um, what are your tools and what is your practice for, for being in the space with us for real, for real, so that when we can trust you, you know, and we can, we can risk a little bit more for you. And I think I was reaching for that from friends and from people from a community that I work in now. And 
when it's the work of becoming a better human, just like recognizing aggressively, sadly, but also joyfully, but also gratefully, like, man, you get to, you get to matter too. And this is what the world looks like. Just start with, with you, which is kind of one of the values that exists at the organization I work at. And so, you know, I'm just coming on today because it felt right to share a little bit, you know, starting with, I feel that vulnerability is one of the qualities that I'm in a privileged position to have. And the more that I lean into trusting my gut with that in relation to what I believe is true and right and what policies impact certain people and what privilege looks like for white folks and what the history of specifically North America, this is what happened and this is the accurate place we are now. And if you'd like to be any part of it, correcting that and moving that towards a place where my kids now can see and hear and be different because they have more truth at an earlier stage of their life. The only way that's going to start is by that healing process internally. And I can go to the protests and I can wear the shirt and I can be proximate and I can be comfortable and I can be uh, argumentative and stand up for what I believe is right, even with other white folks. But at the end of the day, if my center isn't there, that doesn't allow my wife and my kids to feel safe, that doesn't allow a community to be invited to that, then unfortunately, I'll be someone that wasn't as reliable as I would have liked to be to the people that don't need me at all, but like have invited me in. Like even that generosity, the force of that generosity needs to be met with such a force of me caring about myself because of who I am and where I exist in all of this, which is just a lot if anybody's still following, but it's, <laughs> it's really cool to be in that position and then get to like wake up and be like, all right, we're about to, we're about to be anti-racist today. Kind of being in it and then also waking up in the morning and being with your, your little ones. Say more about that. Yeah. So the first time I kind of understood what a vulnerability is for me was through therapy. But the first time I learned what a vulnerability is for kids is through like my job and getting to study and learn what, you know, uh, what aces are and what vulnerabilities are. So start to look, you know, looking out for that. You know, for my kids, my wife was very much like, you just got to go take care of yourself before you start trying to do it for these kids because they're going to need it and, and they're going to notice. And at the time, I'm kind of like, what's the three-month-old going to notice or how am I going to, mm -hmm. you know, I, obviously I want to keep improving myself, but this is going to be kind of a journey I just go on. Mm -hmm. um, the whole like kids have the secret to the universe thing that that some people believe and that there's just this innate connection between the end of life and the beginning of life and how especially when I start to see the world for what it could be through my kids eyes you know these ones need people that are around them that can provide them with so much not just one person, but a collective. This responsibility is so heavy that like, why would I play one-on-one -on -one when I can have a zone? Why would we try to go at this, trying to figure it all out rather than open up their eyes to everything that we can possibly within their safety mm -hmm. and then let them make choices that are like driven by that truth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you said say more about it, the, the more is that I, I get, 
this kind of like weird energy from letting go of control of them and of responsibilities, of course, there, you know, and I'm the guy in a heterosexual relationship with a woman who birthed these kids. I'm like trying to catch up to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, my body's got to feel in it with you too, because my body didn't go through what my wife's body went through. So they're just teaching me to be able to let go of the the same thing of like trying to burn yourself out and it's got to be you and you can save this or whatever into like the only way this is going to work for us or the best thing I can you can provide for yourself and for your immediate family is exposure to different things to then start to build that resistance to something that doesn't feel right and doesn't have to be something that's like unlearned mm. over time but it's something that's rooted from an early age and, mm-hmm. and when someone comes along later and tries to tell you something different mm-hmm. in a harmful way, it doesn't mean they're going to get it right every time. It doesn't mean they're going to not have peer pressure or whatever, but it hopefully means that there's like a super strong anchor there for them to go back to that spidey sense and be like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if what you're, you know, screaming at me or what this structure is saying or what this policy is saying about who controls my body or whatever it is that they'll have that self-confidence in their intuition and in their gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and they won't question it in the same way that maybe I had growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so inspiring to think about that. There's a real opportunity, especially, I mean, we're talking about white children specifically, but all children they're coming into the world absorbing everything that's happening Um, but specifically with the white children like I love what you're talking about you know they're going to absorb stuff throughout the world but like if they're rooted and grounded and they have an awareness of the racial dynamics from a young age and they have uh, an awareness of just differences across the lifespan and amongst humans. Um, we both follow Resma Menachem and the more nonverbal somatic pieces of, of mm-hmm. how we respond or, or how, you know, white parents um, mm-hmm. or teachers or social workers or aunts or uncles, like whoever might tense up around like, oh, like my child just noticed this person is black or is in mm-hmm. a wheelchair or is speaking a different language and like, how we respond to those differences Mm. with our kids like there's a real embodied piece that kids intuitively pick up on Mm. and so like we're in this process of unlearning but it gives me hope to think about parents like you and um, my lovely sister in love and you know our other brother and and sister in love raising these little kids and really providing an opportunity to kind of be little anti-racist babies, like Ibram X. Kendi, Dr. Kendi's book, you know, from a young age. So it's not something they're trying to play catch up with later. And it's needed, right? We know it's needed because there's plenty of indoctrination into Mm -hmm. racist ideas, thoughts, and um, realities on the flip side. Right, right. Well, that's like when you were speaking, can I tell a quick Quick story about uh about my lovely daughter and just yeah. her, uh, her awareness and her uh, genuine curiosity and just kind of what you're talking about there with both parents in terms of the somatic piece and just how they're feeling us and and us and then also like as two white parents how to navigate it and, and the things that come through our head 
I mean, at one point I mentioned to my wife, how are we doing it for each other individually Mm -hmm. as a group? And then what as a team, if my wife and I are trying to, to, you know, be as helpful to this almost three-year-old's brain as we can, we need Mm -hmm. to come with a pretty direct unified message and so to do the all that work before you get to the hey young one i keep trying to avoid her uh name here's an answer from your parents on this mm-hmm. you know you take it or leave it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, try it on you know throw it out whatever but like can't be out here confusing you at least because we're the two safest you know we're the ones you're looking at and mm-hmm. so we were walking down our, our uh daycare is about a six minute walk uh it's like 15 minutes if, if uh, she finds a drum, like something <laughs> to play on. Then it's like a whole other. But yeah. then you're like, you know, you let her walk. So you knew this is going to happen. So yeah. yeah. Like, why are you getting mad at her? Just put her in the stroller next time. Shut up. So that, that, that's usually the my self-talk goes into that when it takes longer. But we're, we're on our way. And, um, you know, there's two things that have happened while we're walking to daycare that really had force, but also created conversation with me and my wife and also some internal conversation myself about where where my daughter is at in relation to the books we're reading versus the experiences we're having with people mm-hmm. who are different and, and kind of what her reality is versus imagination. You know, she's all over the place with anything can be anything at this point anyway. So you never know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're walking uh, down the street and usually when she sees a teenage boy, she'll call him a kid. Mm. but there was a young black boy walking down the street mm-hmm. and so she said the black kid mm-hmm. and she just kind of said oh there goes the black kid mm. and you know normally like when it was a white kid she would say there goes the kid ah. and I was kind of like all right that's curious and then like I'm looking back and I'm going all right we've we've seen this kid before the mm-hmm. one we were walking to daycare in mm-hmm. um, he was he was wearing a black jacket Mm-hmm. So am I, how am I thinking about, A, how the information I'm receiving from my daughter, like, am I seeing her as a person? Mm-hmm. Am I believing what she's saying or am I already gaslighting her? Mm-hmm. Or am I like, oh, well, there, we do the right stuff. So like, even if she did do something, let me, let me let it slide, you know, like, let me think that we're better. And so there's all these mm-hmm. thoughts that go into your head about like, how do I slow this situation down? Don't make this too big for her. Mm. You know, don't bring the entire world and the things that you've processed or not processed or hoped for or whatever within relation to how your daughter is viewing the world and the way you're trying to teach her. Because mm-hmm. then that like takes all agency from her. Mm-hmm. Like she has no control over that. And so it was just one of those things that over time I've noticed that as we have new experiences, as I think about, all right, what are the ways that we're going to not just respond with like an answer, mm-hmm. but listen and just be patient mm-hmm. and listen to what she's saying to us and listen to and like notice whether there's a fear or whether there's a joy mm-hmm. or whether there's a curiosity or whether there's an avoidance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rather than there have to be this urgency around us providing something mm-hmm. it's all right that's something we can learn about and if it is a, if it's a difference that is being noticed at two and a half mm-hmm. like let's keep tapping into what we feel is right and let's keep 
questioning the things around where we live and why we live there and mm-hmm. the activities that our children are doing mm-hmm. and just the really like the resources out there. Like once you start slowing down, I, we found that like there's a whole thing in Alexandria, Virginia and around the African-American History Museum in relation to like kids experiences. And there's a way in which like they, you know, needed volunteers and there was a gap where the partnerships that they had didn't have a sport element. And I started talking about what I do for a living. And it was like, oh, wait a minute, I could make a little could make a little <laughs> thing over here. And it would be, you know, it could start out as whatever it needed to, but it could probably lead to something that gives me a lot of peace and allows me to, in my own way, educate or give my daughter experiences and give my son when he can move <laughs> experiences. Like what I'm trying to do with my job. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to do anything other than create a space that feels safe, that lets you make decisions um, that feel good to you. And, and that when things change for you, you got people that not just me and not just my wife, but you got people that you can turn to that have had a similar experience so they can help move you through it. Mm-hmm. Um And I think that's the thing that white people really miss out on is that we don't like allow ourselves that much space because we got to like be aligned with the white supremacy thing out of like fear. We got to, you know, yeah, we just miss out on these beautiful, open healing experiences that are actually just kind of showing us like if you want it, it's here for you. Yeah. Um, And if you accept it, a lot of us will will probably benefit it would take a lot but it it, it, t- it takes something totally different than what you think it does because you're mm. you only have that one lens and that one way of looking at it yeah um and we've all known how to deal with that way for 400 times eight thousand years i've just really appreciated the gift that is having white white kids in an environment that will certainly be ready for them and be ready to try to take them mm-hmm. but to be able to move with grace only because of what I've learned and experienced from non-white folks over mm-hmm. time that I think gives this tactical advantage to someone like me who can like have a foot in both worlds and still keep their peace mm. and and still fight to not appropriate and not take up the space when not needed and have that vibe, you know, have that continued awareness of my own breath of my own being so that I can continue to trust what I need to, that, that people then come towards not me, but towards kind of that energy and towards the, the gratitude we're trying to pour in to then allow our, our kids to have this experience with a very curious and hopeful and gracious eye move through it and you know and play the role that they're that they're going to play and be in their peace at all at, you know as much as possible because at the end of the day I'm, I'm their dad and I love their mom and you have them and you just want them to be like you just also want them to be able to run through that sprinkler and make up that word and do all that you know as, as long as they possibly can because how beautiful and how joyous and how peaceful yeah. Um, so you want to raise somebody with shit to them and ready to rock and ride or die and you want them to never have to have to use it mm-hmm. yeah uh, but unfortunately they're put in a position where like they do because that's what has been given to them that, yeah. that privilege is, is there and so it's like that is a to some degree of opportunity you have to seize and if you do there's a power in that 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 i think is untapped and and a lot of folks that don't dive into it miss out on 
uh, just a beautiful life. While it's super hard and can be up and down and all that, the level of love that exists there is, is higher than, than I think a lot of folks understand. And so that's where the juxtaposition comes in <laughs> and why a lot of people are angry and nervous and others are just wanting people to have equal uh, equal peace and equal humanity. Yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate what you said, like the both ends of, you know, wanting to raise kids with an awareness of the realities of, of racism and white supremacy in the world, you know, kind of going through like developmentally, you know, expanding their understanding or knowledge. And also, you know, we talk a lot about white folks, you know, not having all the answers or like not being the educators about racism or white supremacy. And I love that example that you gave of even with kids kind of entering in with some humility around mom and dad are still also trying to work through some of this or like that's you know a curiosity and how that can be a real opportunity of sitting with the emotions that are coming up or the feelings or vibrations that are coming up for the kids or for you or your wife and at the same time there's definitely Plenty. We talked earlier in the season about critical race theory and anti-CRT protests from white parents who've been protesting, diversifying schools racially or protesting, just learning about the history of anti-Black racism or harmful genocide of Indigenous people harms against Asian American, all kinds of, of harms. And a lot of white parents view that, right? They're like, we're protecting our kids and we, we, we don't want to poison their minds or like yeah. harm. We don't want them to feel bad. And I, I just, what you're saying is like, it, it is possible to want your kids, including the white ones, to experience joy and to run through the sprinkler and to have like this wonderful world and your kid's wonderful world doesn't come at the expense of kids of color in their life and ultimately what I'm hearing you say too is like you're doing your white kids a disservice to not be in community or in relationship with them around unpacking racism right around unpacking race as a social construct Right. Again, over time, right, we're talking about my little precious niece who's two and a half. So, you know, right. we're not reading her uh, the <laughs> critical race theory handbook. Um, <laughs> we're speaking in her level and, and, and all that. But, you know, it's a real opportunity, uh, an invitation. This is a lifelong journey right. and that, you know, none of us have it figured out. And it's something that we can talk about. Just thinking about our own family, we had generations back. Oh, it race was talked about, but it was the <laughs> we had some relatives, you know, that were hella racist. Um, we still have some relatives <laughs> that are right, right, hella racist. But there's a way of like, okay, so race is talked about, but only in a deficit aspect about black and brown people and all these different stereotypes. And then colorblindness of like, oh, we're not talking about race, you know, as racist, but we're also not really talking about race. We're just pretending it doesn't exist. And so what I'm hearing from what you're sharing is it's a real opportunity to explore the world, just like you're exploring Sesame Street or you're exploring 
the colors and the numbers and shapes and sizes. It's part of the world. And we do white kids a disservice to not, and we do black and brown kids a disservice by sheltering these white kids and not having conversations that actually what you were referencing, like finding their authentic piece is in relationship uh, with other people. It's not a piece that is like, oh, I'm good. And the rest of the world is on fire, but I'm good. Right. right? right. I'm in my yeah. ivory tower, whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what the, the irony of all that, right? Like if we go to the actual critical race theory that folks who were, you know, in academia and this is, but this wasn't something that was a uh, status quo and everybody was trying to, mm-hmm. to really get into it. This was just a, like academics who at the time, I think it was kind of a wild thing to, to study and research, but like genuine curiosity. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, yeah hey, this, ha- this happened yeah let's learn the real stuff so i think you know just drawing a, a minute a little bit of a parallel from that to like a lack of hope in kids that can't that they can't have genuine curiosity mm. and that we have to protect them and we have to erase things for them you're really operating out of a space that's gonna do such a detriment to your kid down the line yeah because you're operating from a stress response you're operating from a place of deep racism from ancestral history, like in our case, or, you know, in ours, like trying to look at like, how does that show up for me in relation to what I'm doing to, yes, of course, we want all of our kids to be safe, but like, at what cost have we really asked ourselves? And yes, we want the world to be a better place for all kids, but we all have our kind of biases towards our own. Of course. And, um, and that's totally okay. But what's not okay is if you look at it all and you go, I'm going to make sure I instill that same fear or that same negative trait. It, like you, nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody look like as a, as a parent's like trying to do that. So as a white parent, you know, I think we just got to like ask ourselves, like when you, when you think of that, if you're truly looking at what your value system is and how that relates to not just getting them to the next financial or physical space that's good to help them be safe like emotionally and uh in in every other sense how are they like how are you providing safety and setting safety up for your kid and if it's at the expense of others or despite other like telling them to be fair but then not addressing an an unfair system like we're really just we're, we're adding a lot of confusion to young kids lives and we're also sort of setting up this expectation for them to to view the world one way and and be kind of confused or frustrated when it's not that way. And I think that they can go one way or the other on that. They can go to the, hey, well, if I jump on this team, at least I'll be safe. I'll be cool. But that's where white supremacy comes in. And if, if they jump on this other team, then they're going to have to have done a lot of inner work to be ready for all the hits they're going to take. Um, and so if we can allow them that space at an early age and that just becomes the norm, when they, when they hit those crossroads and they hit those barriers that society's telling them, no, 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 like, you know, you're you maybe had that sense to that these other folks are on a different wavelength. But remember, we're this country is founded for us, right? And and that they won't they'll be they'll be so confident that that won't be something that they weigh over for years. That'll be something that they they can move through with a completely different confidence, and and hopefully that is a benefit to everyone, um, in particular those most impacted by by their own supremacy or their own insecurities <laughs> that have uh, that have 
our our current world kind of the way it, it, it's operating so yeah it's a well, big circle but but i'm very yeah. uh it's very energizing for me to be honest but it's also very like just a exciting reminder to slow down right reminder to go yeah. oh yeah it's a uh, it's the first birthday coming up so that's really the only <laughs> thing you need to worry about right now yeah. all this other stuff great you're thinking about it but remember to just be yeah yeah and ah oh, yeah the being piece you know you and I both have struggled with that one we know plenty of other white folks that struggle to just kind of be and I think we've also both experienced um, not trying to put black and brown folks. It's a very large group of people, billions of people on the planet, all in one category. But um, the ways that when people are more connected to their ancestral histories, traditions, often white supremacy almost like forces that right from a protective space. But I think we've both had experiences uh, with pe- with bodies of culture, as Resma Menachem talks about, where there is a, a sense of being woven into woven into life in ways that we, I think we've both seen in ourselves or in other white folks, like is not necessarily always there, or not not as naturally there. Might be built in, but like it's a it's it's having to unlearn so much programming around uh, detaching from our emotions and feelings. We're going to wrap up soon, but I would like us to do a part two on, you know, what happens. And I think speaking from our, our own lived experiences, um, what happens when kids don't get the playbook on (laughs) racism in the United States early on and they get a a whitewashed version or a watered down version and then have to kind of figure things out later on connect some dots and talking about the emotional impact of um, learning about like the true history of of this country I don't know what you think if you'd be down to come back and uh, unpack that one a little bit another time yeah, absolutely. I'll, I can charge these beats up, and uh, you know. Well, I appreciate you know having you on here as a parent, as a a sibling, but also as someone that has had quite a bit of lived experience. I think most uh, of our siblings um, and our parents, even we have had, we have been in spaces with black or brown folks. Um, and we've also been in spaces with white folks. And, you know, there's a lot to say about folks who, who grow up in more racially diverse communities. And again, that's a whole other, whole <laughs> other episode, but I appreciate your perspective and um, your enthusiasm and these kids, Whitney Houston, um, the children of the future. <laughs> And, um, you know, it is so true and they give, it gives me a lot of hope um, thinking about how white kids can be raised um, differently uh, than, than the norm and how in some ways that's giving up uh, aspects of, of whiteness and, and privilege and power, but in other ways there's like a whole, a whole lot of freedom and liberation. I don't want to say that white folks need, you know, I want to not conflate that with black liberation. And, but this idea that, um, you know, the, these kids, if, if we're raising them 
with an anti-racist awareness and mindset which which scares the shit out of a lot of white parents i mean that's a but if if there's an openness to walk with them on this journey like it's a really powerful thing and there's not as much deconstructing that they have to do alone you know over time as much as like okay my parents are in this with me and we're we're trying to figure out our place in the world as white folks because it comes up right comes up you know to your point of your your child in the neighborhood like it's already there white being neutral like it's already these messages are you know y'all have done a lot to try to help push back against a lot of different narratives but it's it's inescapable right in our world so thank you man for all your all your work and the relationships you've built and uh yeah well we look forward to having you again on the show amazing thank you for for the time and you know mama we made it (laughs) (laughs) ah yes mama we made it (laughs) have to have her on the show next (laughs) i would love that for you and for her and for me (laughs) all right well take care and uh, this has been another episode a special edition episode of sounds about white Uh, If you or someone you know is interested in also sharing, uh, coming up and uh, taking hold of the mic for for a night, feel free to reach out. Um, And if you have any questions, concerns, feedback, uh, feel free to reach out. We're on Instagram, TikTok, uh, as well as email. And we're on Facebook, but like, you know, we're not quite on Facebook. So, yeah. as millennials so all right well take care be well and once again this is an episode of sounds about whites